This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. The turmoil inside the Ontario Progressive Conservative Party continues. Today, the executive committee in charge of setting the rules around the leadership race will be meeting later. Now the big question is, what is the impact of all of this on you, the voter? And it's not just the reaction to the Patrick Brown resignation. It's unleashed this huge jockeying for power among the various factions. The interim leader, Vic Fideli, who just yesterday announced that he will not run for the permanent position, says there is, quote, rot in the party that he has to deal with. There's an investigation to see if the 200,000 members Patrick Brown boasted about are actually real. And uh, yesterday, one of our conservative guests complained about her own party's penchant for airing the dirty laundry in public. Fideli, on the other hand, says this is refreshing, that everything that's happening uh, is happening in a transparent way. And of course, at the end of the day, the question is, what do you, the voters, make of it? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And in fact, All of these questions and more have been analyzed and sliced and diced by Greg Lyle, the owner of Innovative Research, and he joins me now along with Ashton Arsenault of Crestview Research. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Thank you. Okay, uh, let's start with uh, Greg Lyle. Uh, First of all, when did you conduct this latest poll? And I guess it shows that there was not much bleeding in Tory support because of uh, these dramatic events. Right. In the, the we did a a online survey over the weekend. We gave it a, a day just to sort of find out who was likely to be in the leadership race and the, to let it sort of sink in with the public. Um, and then we went in and uh, looked at the reaction to politics generally uh, to the parties. And only after we asked about those things did we ask about. Uh, the resignation and about the leadership race, and part of the reason we did that is because we didn't want to um, to prime the consideration of the controversy for voters. We wanted to know to what degree, um, uh, before we talked about the issue, had the issue had an effect on how they're feeling. Uh, and Ashton, what's what's your take on this? Do you think that uh, it that there's a, going to be a big impact as a result of this? So a number of things in this poll actually struck me as interesting. Um, it certainly isn't surprising that a large chunk of the population has heard about the allegations surrounding Patrick Brown. Uh, frankly, it's been front-page news for about a week now, so I think it's only natural that people would be exposed to at least a headline or two over that span. Uh, the interesting thing, and I think the big takeaway here for the PC party with respect to the poll, is that nearly half of respondents approve of the way that the PC party has responded to the allegations. Uh, I think this speaks tremendous volumes to how quickly the party was able to come together, select an interim leader and get the bus back on track for the upcoming election. And frankly, I think Vic Fideli deserves a lot of credit here. 
he's proven himself, at least thus far, to be a steady hand during a difficult period. Uh, yeah, but we're seeing all kinds of things, uh, you know, over the weekend. Uh, uh, well, first of all, we saw the party president resign because of uh, allegations of sexual uh, assault. Uh, over the weekend, we had, uh, you know, Lisa McLeod saying, you know, why didn't the party deal with this sooner? Uh, and then uh, you have the total wild card of Doug Ford being the only declared candidate in the race. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And, you know, you already alluded to it at the start of the show. You know, all eyes are going to be on the PC executive today because it's expected they'll release the rules for the all-important leadership race. And, you know, there's a number of things which remain unclear about the race, uh, and the rules today could actually determine who's going to be in and who's going to be out. Um, so right now, you said you only, you only have Doug Ford. Uh, I think he will not be the only person in the race by the end of the week. Uh, and just in terms of some of the back and forth, look, I don't think... There's ever been a period in Canadian political history where it's as easy, at least from an outsider perspective, to end up in one of the most powerful positions in Canada. Uh, it's unprecedented that you'll see uh, a leader uh, take a fall of this nature so close to an election. I think that only is natural that some, uh, some conflict and some tension within the party will, will result. Uh, okay, so uh, let's. The other thing that uh, Greg's poll found uh, was that the number one person in people's minds is Christine Elliott, who came in second the last time. She also ran in 2009 and did not win, obviously. Uh, she has a job, a, a very lucrative job, that she seems to enjoy and seems to be doing a very good job at as the patient ombudsman. Uh, is there some kind of move to draft her? even though she has said that she's not interested? Well, you know, uh, I, I, honestly, I think uh, there's certainly aspects of the membership that would love to see Miss Elliott run again. Um, at the end of the day, I think it's a bit, too, uh, a bit premature to comment too much on the leadership, leadership prospects of certain candidates. Uh, unfortunately, we just don't know the rules for how the leader will be decided, and I think that's ultimately who's going, uh, that's going to decide who will enter the race. We don't know if it's going to be a ranked ballot. We don't know if it's going to be one member, one vote. We don't know how long new members will be able to sign up, if at all. I mean, there are a ton of questions to be answered here, and with only one candidate out of the gate, it's really hard to comment on the prospect of others. Right, and from our polling, what we were looking at is not so much who's well-positioned to win within the Conservative Party, because there's 200,000 members, apparently, and uh, they'll be the people that decide that. We were looking at at how the broader public responded to people. But Christine Elliott is, is sort of two steps ahead of the average candidate. First, um, she has the largest level of awareness. Um, people know who she is. And number two, people like her. Um, if you know her overwhelmingly, you like her. Very few people have a negative point of view of her. If you look at uh, Doug Ford, Doug Ford's also relatively well-known, but m more people dislike him than like him. And so he may well enjoy uh, a good base of support within the conservative core, um, although actually he, in our numbers among uh, core conservative voters as opposed to members, he ran fifth. The surprising thing about uh, Doug Ford, at least according to the sort of elite narrative, is how well he does with swing conservative voters. So his his um, 
anger, if you want to put it that way, the way that the four brothers sort of rail against the system, uh, that represents a lot of people out there who feel that uh, that they you can be anything you want to be in Canada, but they're not getting there, and that government's not helping them, government's getting in the way. They like the things they're hearing from Doug Ford. Uh, yeah, it's that same kind of disaffection, uh, I think, that uh, that helped Donald Trump so much. People... It's a little, it is a little different than Trump. So we should be, a lot of people equate the Fords and Trump. And in one way, they're the same. So if you, if you ask Americans what they think about Washington, they'll tell you they're mad as hell. Um, and so people that are angry against, uh, against the government are, gonna, are, are, are similar in Canada. But one thing that's very different is that Trump is actively nativist, right? He is anti-foreigner, anti-immigrant, uh, anti-people that are, are different. Um, the Ford coalition is a rainbow coalition, right? They had a, a support among a wide, uh, a, a very diverse uh, uh, coalition of supporters uh, that makes them in some ways pretty different than what we're seeing from Trump. Oh, well, I, I, what I meant was that it's the same in that it's support from people who feel that they aren't getting a fair shot. Yeah, at the good life, and and who think that the quote elites are are uh, you know on the gravy train. I, I didn't mean any of those other things. Sure, sure, absolutely. And one of the things that was again sort of interesting in the poll is that when we look at party loyalty, the liberal base are the haves. Are the, um, people oh, think yes, you can be anything you want and say they're there. Those people are disproportionately liberal. Uh, people that are struggling are less likely to be liberal. Okay, and what about, uh, you know, uh, here we're always talking about the demographics in, in terms of age, and that older people are more likely to be conservative. Does that still hold true? Yes. Uh, younger people are more likely to be New Democrat, older people are more likely to be conservative, and liberals tend to have a pretty steady base across the board. Um Ashton, uh, do you think that all of this, just taken as a whole, is going to have a lot of people scratching their heads and saying, how could, how could we allow the, the Conservative Party to drive the bus if this is what's happening? You know, that's an interesting point. Um, so we are already talking about Doug Ford. I think it was interesting for him to be first out of the gate, and I think he played his hand relatively well there. Uh, what he has going for him is this, uh, the populist message uh, that he espouses is always going to play well with certain aspects of the PC voting base. But if you look at all of the polling that has come out since the Patrick Brown allegations and subsequent resignation, uh, this, frankly, hasn't hurt the PC party at all. And that, if anything else, is an indictment on Kathleen uh, Wynne's liberals and just how badly they're currently viewed in the eyes of the Ontario public. The fact that any party... Uh, going through what the PC party is going through currently has a chance uh, to take down a government in this particular situation, and an overwhelming chance at that uh, really speaks volumes to the current state of affairs and how Ontario is governed. Uh, just as a program note, I just got a note from our producer, Michelle Saunders, and Doug Ford will be coming on the show on Monday. Uh, so I guess we have a chance to hear from him uh, fairly soon. Uh, people say it's, it's a bit unusual. He made his announcement yesterday and, and uh, has not been available since then, but uh, he likes to come on the show. He will be here on Monday, people. Uh, and um, so, again, uh, you don't think this has hurt 
the progressive conservatives. Uh, Greg Lyle, according to your work, though, the, the party that might be benefiting from it is the NDP. Well, there's, there's sort of two things going on. One thing is that between the liberals and the conservatives, there's a lot of uncertainty growing. So when at the end of our survey, after talking about everything that we had talked about, we then said, so if you had to choose between Andrew Horvath and the NDP, Kathleen Wynne and the liberals, and uh, we rotated in the different potential leaders, we tested that leader and the PCs, what party would you vote for? Um, and what we found is that a large number of both current PC supporters and current liberal supporters went undecided. That's a big deal. Um, And so what that's saying is that, uh, number one, the NDP base is solid. Um, Number two, uh, depending on people, how people respond to uh, the new Tory leader, the liberals could either be back in the race, the Tories could be leading to a huge majority, or... Um, people may decide to look at the NDP. And we asked people, we said, given the problems of the Liberals and the PCs, um, I'm interested in hearing what the uh, the NDP have to say. 50% agreed with that statement. So half of Ontarians are prepared to give the NDP a look. Now, that's not... Um, that's not saying that they're right on the verge of having a Bob Ray-type break-in. Uh, only 12% of Ontarians feel that the NDP is the party closest to them. So it just means the door is ajar, not that it's wide open for them. Well, uh, Bob Ray got in after, um, I, I don't know how s- similar it is, but there was a, a, a Conservative leadership race close to the election. Uh, I remember those days well. Uh, so, I mean, I guess uh, that's something to consider. Also, um, in terms of favorability, I mean, you were talking about how people who know Christine Elliott like her. I think people like Andrea Horvath. Very much so. And both in, the, in both the last two elections, as the election rolled on, she grew in favorable. And that's very unusual. Um, we typically look at politics to reinforce the way we're feeling. And most people feel like Tories and liberals. And so they're generally disinclined to like the leader of another party. But Andrea Horvath finds a way to break through that, particularly with liberals. Um, so if the Liberals go on the fence uh, as they watch what's going on with the Tory leadership campaign, it's not just an opportunity for the Tories to win them over, it's an opportunity for the NDP to win them over. The challenge for the NDP is that they're not very newsworthy during the Tory leadership race. The, the Liberals are always newsworthy because they're government. So if they, if they make a decision tomorrow, we all feel it the next day. But uh, and the Tories are really newsworthy because of all the drama, for good or for bad. But the NDP don't have any drama going their way, and they don't have any actual impact in our life right now. That's such a good point. I mean, I've, I've said on this program multiple times that uh, everybody seems to like Andrea Horvath, but they don't quite like her enough to give her a chance. Well, I can tell you what, after the past week, people at NDP headquarters in Ontario are probably licking their chops. And if they're smart, they realize that if they put together a good campaign... And if there's no big fumbles along the way, it very well could be sitting in the Premier's office at the end of this campaign. Um, Andrea Horvath doesn't have any anchors from government dragging her down. People don't really have any sort of negative association with her whatsoever. Uh, It'll be up to Andrea Horvath whether or not she can grab the microphone and inspire people enough to vote for her. Um, I I want to get to our callers, but just one uh, last 
point. You, know, you mentioned that Doug Ford, though we know he has a, a great deal of support, also have, has a lot of people who really don't like him. Uh, if he becomes the leader, is that then another advantage to uh, Andrea Horvath, who is likable, very likable? I think it is, um, for all of the reasons why people don't necessarily dislike Andrea Horvath but aren't really sure if they do like her. Well, the same premise applies to Doug Ford, but in reverse. Uh, there's an immense favorability emotion for those who like him, and obviously it goes the other way as well. And I think uh, regardless of who he's running against, they'll each be able to play that off against him uh, and ultimately present themselves as uh, a, a more centrist and uh, sort of more calming voice um, at, at the helm. Yeah, well, it's like that beer commercial, those who like them, like them a lot. That's right, that's right. Let's go to the phones, guys. Hang on. Uh, we've got William in Toronto. Hello, William. Hi, Liam. Um, I think uh, Mr. Fidelli uh, should be careful with the words he uses, like, like the rot that uh, has infiltrated. Uh, you know, it sounds like he's going to do an exorcism to uh, clean out the unclean thing that has infiltrated the Conservative Party. Um, uh, you know, with that said, here's what I'd like to know: ask your guests. Uh, if Doug Ford wins, does he have to uh, go along with a uh, platform that is already in place uh, with the Conservative Party? Because if he does, he's not going to do that, and very quickly. Uh, Andrea Horvath is an uh, extraordinarily wonderful and good alternative uh, uh, to, to all of this. So if you can answer my question, that would be good. How about the platform and uh, Doug Ford? Uh, guys, sure, I mean, yeah. my understanding is the leader does not have to stick to the platform. So it, it's ultimately, and it should, be up to the membership race, and that's why I think this uh, announcement coming from the PC executive this afternoon is going to be so important. Um, a lot of this is tied to what the leadership rules will be, and the membership will simply not tolerate anything uh, that doesn't look above board, and it's essential that Voices members are heard. And how does that apply to the platform? Well, um, this is a platform that was driven through a policy convention by PC members. Uh, PC members are the ones who are ultimately going to choose this new leader, and I feel like that leader will be somewhat pressured by the membership, and rightly so, to at least retain substantial elements of a platform that was determined by the membership who just elected the leader. Um, now, is that to say that there won't be tweaks along the way? I think it's only natural that there will be. I think a new leader will want to put their own fresh spin on it. But are we talking about a, a complete detonation of the current platform in place? Uh, I certainly hope not. I think that would get very messy, and I think that would divide membership. Uh, Greg, do you have a take on that? Yeah, I think the reality is that um, the leadership convention is going to be a contest, not just the personalities, but ideas, and that um, a new leader may well have new ideas, and that's, that's par for the course. So I would not presume that we would automatically see the new leader adopt the whole of the platform. Uh, but I would note that to date, the platform seems to have gone over relatively well with those that have paid attention to it. So um, there is some risk at moving away from something that seems to be working. Hmm. So, uh, William, I think the answer is stay tuned because we have uh, two varying opinions here. 
Oh, you can count on me to stay tuned here. Okay, sure well, that's that. that's good. We like that. Okay. Thank you, William. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Okay, Dennis in Brampton. Hello, Dennis. Hi, Libby. Thanks for taking my call. Interesting program today. Great guest. Thank you. Uh, two points, and perhaps your last caller touched on it, and it relates to Mr. Fideli. He made a couple of statements in addition to Rod. He talked about irregularities in party memberships. And I wonder if how that will affect the discussions this afternoon regarding a potential vote. And secondly, he also made references to uh, irregularities or problems with the party's finances. And when you consider that uh, the conservatives tend to hold themselves out as responsible financial stewards, it kind of begs the question, uh, if they can't manage their own party's finance finances, how are they going to manage the provinces? And uh, I wonder if anyone's asking that question, but I'll listen to what your uh, your guests have to say. Okay, guests, who's going first? I, I think I'll just start with the, the leadership, or sorry, the membership aspect of that question. Um, what Mr. Fideli has said uh, is certainly concerning, and I think uh, it would be in the PC party's best interest to at least explore what's being talked about behind the scenes. Uh, and the PC executive, of course, will be looped into all of this, and I'm sure it will factor into their discussions. But if there is a if there is a substantial discrepancy in actual members compared to what is on paper, uh, then I think it is only right and responsible for an interim leader to get to the bottom of that. At the end of the day. PC members are going to want a party uh, that is not only healthy in terms of electoral prospects, but also in terms of internal growth and whether or not it's a party that's uh, being honest, faithful to the people who actually get it into power. I think the reality is that uh, democracy is messy and that uh, parties at all levels, right, across Canada, all have issues where some people come off, come out off the street and sign up of their own accord, but other people are sort of rounded up by power brokers and signed up en masse. Um, they're all, and if you watch campaigns all across the country, what you see is that parties are little by little trying to squeeze these sort of practices out. So, for instance, if you look at the BC leadership um, campaign that's going on right now with the BC Liberal Party. Um, They've done things like not allow people to use prepaid credit cards to buy memberships. You have to use your own credit card. Um, they're requiring people to go through uh, two steps before they can vote. First, they have to get a registration number. Then they have to get a PIN number. As people go through those processes, they've been making uh, audit calls to confirm that the information that's provided is accurate. It's a real phone number. It's a real email address. Um, so there are, are steps that parties can do to clean this up. It, the truth is it's a, uh, a challenge that's plagued uh, all parties for all, as long as I've done politics or watched politics. Well, um, the specifics uh, that I heard about it, you know, a couple of cases of people signed up all living at the same address, presumably an apartment building, but they weren't, uh, their names weren't, you know, uh, posted in the lobby uh, where they usually are. And uh, in terms of the money, what I saw was uh, too much money on legal fees for, uh, you know, questionable or uh, contested nominations where people were suing the party because of that. I mean, you know, uh, that happens in all parties. But again, you know, it seems to have been noisy. And the question that I have about all of that, I mean, Vic Fideli was talking about, you know, the fact that they were hacked and, and he said their computer systems are not 
up for uh, either a leadership race or a general election. But, you know, normally I don't know that you'd use the word rot to describe that. Yeah, I actually just want to touch up quickly on what on what Greg said because he's absolutely right. Uh, these, these issues are not singular to any one party, uh, and especially for a party that just came out of a fairly large le- leadership race not too long ago, where various members were signed up. And just to touch on your caller's questions quickly about expenses and where certain monies have gone, if it comes down to a question over whether or not you feel the PC party is a better financial steward in Ontario than the Liberal Party, then well. That's a ballot question that I could stand behind, and I think the party would too. Yeah, I would just say that the I think of the the on the money side, there were two sets of allegations. One, they're spending too much on court cases. That really has more to do with the activities that drove the court cases than than actually defending yourself. And, and generally, I don't see it having a lot of eggs. The one that would be more problematic for the party is the idea that there are people in conflict, people that are both on the executive and getting a paycheck from the party. Um, that happens, there, um, and, and there are ways to do that in, in an appropriate way, and, and there are also inappropriate ways for that to happen. That's where, if there's legs in the story, it may have legs. Um, on the technology side, I mean, those if there are issues, they're easily fixed. Um, I think the, the bigger issue is really that issue of the sort of instant Tories, uh, because it really raises the question of, Who's really going to have a say in this leadership race? Is it going to be, you know, power brokers and instant Tories, or is it going to be the actual grassroots of the party? And what can you do to make sure it really is the grassroots? And that, I'm sure, is actually going to be a big part of what they talk about this afternoon at the party office. Uh, Okay. Uh, I'm going to give the numbers out again. We're going for a few more minutes on this. Dennis, uh, thanks for your call. Four one six three six zero zero seven forty toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. So you're talking about grassroots, and of course one of the main names being touted, uh, and it looks like the, uh, you know the the what Doug Ford would call the elites might get behind her is Carolyn Mulrooney. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, uh, I think you're going to see Miss Mulrooney announce her candidacy very soon. Um, I know she's got a great deal of support in place already, uh, and that goes from the grassroots and also many top-tier people within the party uh, are certainly encouraging her to run. Um, I think she'd bring a fresh face uh, and, frankly, a much-needed different perspective to the party, which I'm not sure the Win Liberals would be able to account for all that effectively. Um, we're talking about an extremely well-educated, successful woman with no political anchors dragging her down. On paper? Well, wait a minute. She, she, uh, you know, we were talking about this the other day, and and uh, the first thing we got was a caller uh, who wanted to talk about her father and uh, baggage that he has, and and uh, you know, again, people are saying if she runs, she's going to have to take those questions. Yeah, I mean that's a fair point. Uh, personally, I don't think it's uh, at all fair whatsoever to compare her potential leadership qualities to her father's leadership qualities. Um, If I'm sitting in the Liberal office right now in Ontario, uh, I am very nervous about Caroline Mulrooney getting into this race because, again, on paper, she is potentially Kathleen Wynne's worst nightmare. Well, I mean, you mentioned fairness, but... You know, I'm not sure if that's that's the case. I mean, she she has a strong CV, um, and she has a recognizable name. But uh, she's never been in the public eye, um, and so there's a there's a learning curve um, to not just 
you know, being able to go in and do a single interview well, but living under the spotlight. Now, one thing to be fair is that she has had her own challenges under the spotlight. There was a really unfortunate campaign in Frank magazine about oh, her. Oh, God, I was, I, I was an, an <clears throat> Ottawa reporter then. Right. That was, oh, that was just disgusting. Right, it really, really was. So, so the, the psychological side of it, she's actually probably more comfortable with the most. But the performance side, she's still untested. So uh, <clears throat> that's something that, that you need to consider. There are some people with lower-level awarenesses, people like uh, Denzel Minna Wong or people like uh, Rod Phillips, who have a lot of experience in the public eye, um, but despite that, remain relatively unknown compared to Carolyn. So um, all these, these candidates have trade-offs and strengths and weaknesses, but if I'm, if I'm a liberal uh, in the, the liberal campaign team and I see the Tories looking to go for someone that has not been in an elected office and has not been in the public spotlight, I'm not trembling in fear. I am nervous. Um, right, uh, having a woman sort of makes it difficult for uh, them to play the Patrick Brown card, um, especially a woman who's had the journey that Carol's had. So, so that is one thing out of their arsenal. Um, but uh, one of the questions would be: To what degree can someone like Carolyn Monroney convince the average voter that she gets them? Um, right, just like the Tories have had a lot of fun going after Justin Trudeau over his upbringing, she has not had the sort of standard middle class upbringing. It didn't hurt Justin Trudeau; may not hurt her, um, but it's a hurdle she'll have to jump. Okay, um, uh, Greg, I know you have to go now. Ashton, you're yep. sticking with us for a few minutes. Greg, okay. thank you very much for your insight. Thank you, and thank your listeners. Take care. Uh, okay, take care. Um, and now uh, let's take a call from uh, Bill in Toronto. Hi, Bill. Hi. I think it's a great opportunity to really rebuild the party and rebrand it and get it going where it should be going. I mean, I would have voted for uh, Patrick Brown, but that's just for the fact that I'd vote for anybody before uh, to get get rid of Wynn. But I think... Uh, just a minute, only, would you vote for Andrea Horvath? Yeah, I would. Before I would vote for... Uh, absolutely, I would. If, the, if that would strategically get rid of Wynn, I would cast my vote there. But uh, Mulroney, I think that's a, that's a terrible choice. I mean, I follow politics, and I don't even know what the woman looks like. And my understanding is she purchased a house up in Simcoe just so she could run in the, in the area. Um, I think what they need to do is let this thing go. I'd love to see Ford get it. Um, you know, he's a proven commodity. He has a large following in Toronto. And let's face it, if this party wants to do well, they need to uh, to be very successful in Toronto. Okay. Thanks for your call, Bill. Thanks. Okay. Uh, Jim in Hanover. Hi, Jim. Hi. Uh, this is Mulroney's daughter. This is another one like Trudeau. Rich, never really worked. Well, no, 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 that's not fair. She's a very successful lawyer. Well, you have not been involved in politics in Ontario. The, well, that's true. So you have very little knowledge. She still live here or spend more time in the States? She, uh, you, maybe uh, Ashton can answer that, but she has spent a lot of her adult life in the United States. She's married to an American. Yeah, she not lived under the wind regime. <laughs> Ashton, do you know where she's living now? Uh, I can't speak to her current whereabouts. No, certainly not. Um, but I think uh, what your callers and I disagree on, and Greg to a certain extent, uh, you know, everybody seems to have a bit of an issue with the fact that she's politically untested. 
where I'm looking at right now, that seems awfully refreshing, especially from a from a party perspective, to give somebody a completely clean slate to run against a government that is tired, bogged down, marred in scandal, and frankly, just hoping and praying that they're able to hold on one more time. So um, that's where I'm at here. Okay. And um, do you think that it is advisable or necessary to have a woman leading uh, the PC party at this time? Uh, well, we had that Redford. Look at the mess she made of things, spending money like a drunken sailor. We've had Wynn doing the same thing, spending money bankrupting us. We've had even the Prime Minister, he's off all over the place, spending money. So, as far as being a woman, they really haven't got a good record. Well, there haven't been very many women, and you're describing women from very different parties. Yeah, well, once you get in power, was it power uh, creates uh, deception? Okay, Jim, thanks for that. Okay, thank you. Uh, interesting, Ashton. Uh, you know, uh, I was reading a very interesting article which pointed out that, generally speaking, women come in after big problems. I mean, of course, uh, we had Kim Campbell after uh, the Tories were reduced, or was it right before when they knew they were going to be reduced for two seats? Uh, so uh, women tend to come in uh, in a time of crisis. Do you agree with that? Look, I, I'm certainly not going to harken back to the 93 campaign and the disaster that that was. Um, but in terms of stacking up a, a female leadership uh, uh, contestant against Kathleen Wynne, uh, look, ultimately, I think this is for the membership to, to decide. And that's why I'm just anxiously waiting to see what the executive comes out with today in terms of the rules for the race. Um, I think putting up a woman against Kathleen Wynne certainly gives the Liberal campaign team... Um, some some difficulties that they otherwise might not have. But at the end of the day, I want to see the person with the best voice, the clearest ideas, and the most support from all of the membership go into the election and go on and fight Kathleen Wynne. Okay, uh, let's take a, a last call on this subject. JJ in Toronto? Oh, maybe we'll take two. Hello, JJ. Yeah, good morning, or is it afternoon? afternoon. It's the afternoon. Go you ahead. Know what? You have to uh, fight fire with fire. I uh, I don't know what's wrong with the PCs. Okay, uh, the 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 one who just resigned, Mr. Brown, he couldn't say things to uh, Kathleen Wynne that another woman could, without acting uh, cruel, or insensitive, or uh, having a an air of machismo. Like what? Well, I mean, he couldn't attack her just for being a woman, okay? As, well, as opposed to the, uh, you know... Why would you attack her just for being a woman? Yeah, or for her policies. She would turn around and say, well, you're attacking me because I'm a woman. Mm, I don't if, think so. Uh, if uh, Mulroney did that, she said, no, I'm attacking you because you're a bad leader, and you always have been a bad leader. And with regard to Andrea, forget it. Her <laughs> politics are so far left, they've uh, left the world. It would be a disaster. Everybody remembers Ray Days, and that would be... Uh, Another uh, issue coming back to haunt us with uh, Madam Horvath. No, no, thank you. Okay, JJ, thanks for that. Let's let's take one more yet. Bob in Mississauga. Hello, Bob. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Good. Uh, I I think Doug Ford should be the candidate. Not that I'm a Doug Ford fan, but I think politics needs to hit the reset button in Ontario and Caroline Mulroney. That would be a big mistake. Any politician that buys a house in a riding they're trying to parachute into, 
They, they always seem to be a disaster. She may be a successful lawyer, but, I mean, come on, she was tutored by Daddy. Well, uh, you know, sometimes uh, they learn good things from Daddy. <laughs> but, well, yeah, but, yeah, but Daddy, remember his envelopes of cash. That's, uh, that's definitely not an ethical thing. Okay, well, those are certainly the allegations. Um, Bob, we hear you on that. Thank you very much for your call. Well, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, uh, Ashton, uh, what would you like to leave us with on all of this? Well, I think I disagree completely with the foundational statement from the first caller there. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't uh, think gender has anything to do with whether or not yeah. you're able to criticize Kathleen Wynne on her policies. Well, exactly. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a male, a female, or a Martian, quite I, frankly. I certainly agree with that. And, and there's no shortage of things to pick from, so I think anybody would be just fine criticizing Kathleen Wynne. That's not hard to do. Um, and I'm going to leave it with this. Uh, everybody should pay very close attention to what the leadership rules of this race are going to be. It is absolutely going to determine who will jump in and who will not jump in, and that's going to have large ramifications, not just for the upcoming leadership vote itself, but for the ultimate direction of the problem. And uh, just finally, before you go, do you think there's any chance that they might make the rules uh, such that Doug Ford would not be able to run, you know, limited to nominated candidates? I certainly hope not. Um, I hope, frankly, the membership should be able to draft whomever it wants to lead the party. I don't think we should put any sort of limitation on it whatsoever uh, with regards to who can and who can't. Obviously, there's going to be some rules around uh, how many signatures you need, whether or not you have to sign up a certain number of members, uh, what the timelines are to do that, which are all extremely important and all leadership races, frankly, are governed by some set of rules. Uh, I'm looking for rules that aren't going to be too exclusionary. Okay, Ashton Arsenault from Crestview Strategy. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Libby. Bye-bye. Okay, we've got to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about your health and about good news, the cost of generic drugs coming down. We'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.